2008 World Champions of Baseball. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. It's Wednesday, December 26, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Jet Chesco. Jet, first of all, hoping that you and the family had a great Christmas. Plenty of selfies, I see, of course. The Eagles continue to live to play another day behind the Philadelphia sports legend slash icon Nick St. Nick Foles. The Flyers are much improved as they continue their push back to the playoffs. The Sixers lost to the Celtics last night in OT to fall to fourth place. And all is quiet over at Citizens Bank Park regarding the Phillies and the big, big, big free agent fish thereafter. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell, Bill. Uh, tough Christmas Day loss for the Sixers, and I know some people, including our own Fred Hugo, are wondering if Brett Brown maybe isn't a good enough coach to get this team in the next level. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but, yeah, the Eagles remain the big story for now as they live to play into Week 17, although they'll still need one more win and a bit of help from the Bears to make it into the postseason. Yeah, it's uh... – it's interesting. First off, in your comment on Fred, Fred was a little fired up about that Sixers loss uh, last night. We're going to have him with us a little bit later today. We're going to get his his quick thoughts on that, which uh, should be interesting. We're going to have Matt McClure with us later on to talk Sixers as well. Uh, interesting to see what Matt's got to say. Um, and certainly always great to get Eagles insight coming from our Hall of Fame friend, Ray Dininger, who will be with us shortly. Yeah, Matt knows his Sixers stuff. Fred will have a comment or two about the Sixers. And, you know, Fred and I will make our final batch of predictions for NFL games, Fred, you and I. Although I pretty much have our little competition wrapped up, just so you know. Uh, and, yes, it is great to have R. Diddy back with us his first visit since May. So we do have plenty to talk to Ray about the Eagles. Well, hey, Chad, uh, I think, are we ready with Ray? Is Ray Let's ready to it. roll? All I think right. he is. Let's, let's... Yep, I'm All here. Right. All right. Well, with that, as always, Ray, always great to have you back. Hopefully a great Christmas for you and the family, and uh, welcome back to talk to us. Yeah, it's always nice to chat with you guys. Hey, Ray, it's ha- uh, happy hey, holidays, Chad. and thanks, thanks for joining us once again. You know, when I booked you for this visit with us about three weeks ago, I was fearing that the Eagles' playoff hopes would be pretty much over at this point, but in a surprising turn of events, Carson Wentz gets sidelined. They dust off Nick Foles again. And two impressive victories later, the Eagles still have a shot at the postseason heading into Week 17. So, Ray, why does this offense look so much better with Foles under center? Well, I think that, uh, you know, he's played very well, and you've got to give him oh, you know, a tremendous amount of credit for that. But I, I think the some things are happening. They're, uh, the offensive line is playing better now. Uh, I think you can see that uh, Lane Johnson is healthier than he was. There was a long stretch in the middle of the season where he was really basically playing on one leg, and uh, now he's pretty much back to 100%, and, and his play reflects that. Uh, Jason Kelsey admitted that he didn't, he, you know, he struggled through part of the season too, but he's playing really well right now. Um, and Jason Peters has been sort of in and out of the lineup, but when he's played, when he has played, he's played very well. So I think the fact that some of those guys are coming around has helped. Uh, getting Darren Sproles back has been an enormous help for this team. I mean, that's uh, people are kind of. I don't think people are really fully appreciating the impact that he's had. I mean, they didn't have him for most of the season, and bringing him back and allowing him to be part of this offense, both running the ball, catching it, and kick returns, uh, is is a weapon that they didn't have and that they sorely missed. Um, so I, I think that Nick has certainly done his part, and he's played great. But I think there are some other things that are happening around him that are contributing to all this, too. Well, hey, Ray, before we get into the details of the game, I have to ask you about this officiating situation. It has got me completely out of my mind. It, it's, it's bad in the Eagles games, but it's bad in every game. And uh, what, what does the league – I know the league has a process for re- reviewing questionable calls. Um but what do they do about this? This is this is terrible, and it's almost to the point where, you know, it's deciding games, and it's making – the players can't even play within the rules of the games because they don't know what the rules of the games are. 
How how yeah. can they fix this mess? Oh, I don't know. I think that um, well, you're certainly right uh, that the officiating has been a big problem, and uh, it's really too bad because. Um, there has been some really good play in the NFL this season. There have been some, there have been some really good games, some really exciting finishes, uh, some terrific performances by individual players. Uh, and there's been a lot of good football out there. But um, sadly, a lot of the conversation on Monday mornings around the old water cooler is people not talking about the games but talking about the officiating. You know, not talking about Patrick Mahomes but talking about calls that were missed or calls that were made that were in error. And that's not good. You know, that's not good. When, you know, when people are spending as much time or more time talking about the, the problems with the officiating and not talking about the, the players and the games, then that's, that's a problem. And the people in Park Avenue, I'm sure they're, they're aware of it. I'm sure they talk about it. Uh, but rectifying it is, uh, is another matter. I think that I, I, don't know how they, I don't know how they get back from where they are right now. I mean, they've created a lot of their own problem, but I think uh, they've They've just put too much stuff. The, the rule book is just overstuffed to me. I mean, it's just, you know, every year the competition committee goes back in and they try and, in their mind, clarify clarify things and uh, and help things by uh, by adding interpretations and adding new layers to the rules. And I think all they're doing is they're making it more complicated. I honestly think the rule book would be better if they rolled it back by a third, you know. But uh, um, they've made it. I'm sympathetic to the officials. I think it's a tough game to officiate. I think it's really tough with the with the rules they're putting in now. I think it's really tough to call these games knowing you got Big Brother looking over your shoulder with instant replay. Um, I, I know it's that referees have a tough job, but my goodness, I mean, week after week, um, you you watch these games and there's there's calls in there that. Uh, that are deciding games, you know, and in some cases deciding games that are going to decide who goes to a playoffs and who doesn't. And that's, you know, that's not what anybody wants. But I, I just think that, you know, how to and answer your question, how do you fix it? I don't know how you fix it. I mean, they've kind of, they've kind of put themselves in this position and somehow they have to find a way out of it. I, you know, I think that there are probably, there'll probably be some turnover in officials would be my guess. I mean, some of what's happened this season to me has been so egregious that uh, that I would not surprise me if if some officials are terminated. Now, you're probably you, you, they're not going to send out a press release telling you who they are, and they're not going to call a press conference and announce who they are. But I, I, when you come back next season, there are going to be a few names and a few faces that are that are going to be gone. And I think that that's that's kind of necessary. I mean, some of the stuff that's happened this year has been has been so bad that you, if you're the league, you just can't look the other way on it. Hey, Ray, you mentioned Darren Sproles a moment ago. Uh, getting him back has really been a plus. His touchdown reception last Sunday was a thing of beauty. Is there any chance he comes back to play now one more season? I don't know. I mean, he said this year that uh, well, he, his plan was really for last year to be his final year. Yeah. Uh, and, he had said, and he had said that really from, from training camp that that was going to be his last year. But then when he suffered the injury and then he had to stand on the sidelines and watch the team win the Super Bowl, he decided he didn't want to go out that way. So he wanted to give it one more try. Uh, and then he came back this year, and again in training camp, he said, well, this is, prob- this is going to be it for me. Uh, and then he got hurt yet again and missed most of the season. But now he's come back, and you can see that, I mean, he can really still play. I mean, he's, you know, when he's on the field, he's a, he's a dynamic player. And uh, – I don't know. He, his, the only thing he has said about his future is early in the season, he said, this is it for me. Now, how he feels now after the way the season has unfolded and the success that he's had and the way the team has bounced back, I mean, maybe he's open to the thought of coming back again. I don't know. Listen, if, all I know is if, if he wants to come back, I mean, I'll certainly be glad to have him back because you can see when he's in uniform and he's on the field, he makes a difference. Still, even at this point, at this stage of his career, at his age, I mean, he's—I mean, he is an explosive offensive player. Well, Ray, speaking of Nick, I mean, we know we know where he came from. Andy Reid thought enough of him to, to make him a pretty high draft pick, but then he bounced around the league after a couple of good seasons here, um, you know, and now he's he's finishing out really well here. Is is Nick more, could you consider him more of a system-type quarterback, or is he the kind of guy that can get a huge payday here from somebody and go actually do this someplace else? Oh, I think he can. Yeah, I think he can. Um, I mean, Eric, there's certainly, I mean, he's certainly good enough to start for other teams in the league. Uh, I, I think if Nick, if it, if it comes down to him leaving here and being able to call his own shot about where he goes, 
I, I certainly don't think he's going to make a decision based purely on money. For, for one thing, he doesn't need the money. I mean, his, he's made he's made a lot of money in the NFL, and he come, his family is was wealthy before he ever came to the NFL. So he's not going to be a guy that's going to necessarily have to make his decision based on who's going to pay him the most. Uh, I, I think that I think that he'll make a decision based on if he does leave Philadelphia, what's the best situation for him to for him to walk into. Um, I mean, he already went through one miserable season in St. Louis with a bad Rams team, with a bad coaching staff, and a bad offensive a bad offensive system, and he saw how awful how awful that was. I mean, it was so awful that he almost retired at the end of that season. So he doesn't want to do that again. So if he's going to go somewhere else, I think he's going to be real selective about the team, and you know, and, and try and find a team that's that's good. Uh, that just needs a quarterback, and there are a couple of them out there. I mean, I, I think that you know Jacksonville is is that kind of team. You know, Jacksonville was uh, was in the championship game last year, and still have a lot of those players. I mean, they've had a miserable year this year, but and they, but they have clearly reached a point where they're they're ready to move on from Blake Bortles. So that's a team where a good quarterback could step in and have success right away. Um, I also think that Miami is probably ready to to move on from Ryan Tannehill. Uh, so there's a couple teams that are right now way better than what the Rams team was, that a, a good quarterback, and Nick is a good quarterback, could go there and, and have some success and be competitive right away. I think that's that's the kind of situation that would appeal to him. I don't think it's going to be based purely on who's going to pay him the most money. I think if he's going to go somewhere else, he's going to want to go somewhere where it gives him the best opportunity to succeed. Well, you talked about Nick. Let's talk about the guy who's the other quarterback now, the franchise quarterback. Uh, Carson Wentz has had an injury of some sort four straight years now, including his senior year at North Dakota State. Uh, are there concerns, Ray, that he is injury-prone? And what is his mindset now going forward, with you know, seeing all the love that Nick Foles is getting? I'm sure it's hard for him. You know, I think that, you know, I, I the sense that you get is that he's look. He's you know, he and Nick are he and Nick have a very unique relationship i mean it's uh, i don't think i've ever seen a, qu- a, qu- a quarterback situation in the nfl where you have two guys who have as much respect and uh, uh and, and just affection for each other as as Foles and wentz do they're very much the same kind of temperament they're very much the same kind of mindset they're both very much team guys and so wentz is, is thrilled for for Foles' success he's thrilled for the fact that the team's playing so well uh i mean he's rooting he's rooting with all of his heart for them to win um, but you don't don't kid yourself. I mean, it's killing him that for the second year in a row he's standing on the sidelines just watching it play out. Um, and I, he's in a very tough spot. I mean, he's in a very tough spot emotionally. That uh, I'm sure this is a he's very conflicted by this. Um, and as far as the the injury prone thing, uh, I don't know. I mean, if we, we've had it when we when Glenn and I do our uh, radio show on the weekends on WIP, we. We have a doctor that calls in every week, and we do a medical kind of update with him. And obviously, we've talked to him a lot about uh, about Wentz. And we asked the doctor; he's an orthopedic surgeon. We asked him the question, um, with with given the medical history of Wentz, um, is there such a thing as, as certain players being injury prone, quote unquote? Um, uh, and is is that what we're looking at with this guy, or is this just a matter of bad luck, uh, or or is it a function of the way he plays, more likely? Um, and he said it was more likely the latter. He said that the idea that certain guys are just quote unquote injury prone uh, is not really true. He said, but certain guys, the way they play, put themselves more at risk. And I guess in a quarterback's case, that means a guy who's going to move around a lot, hold the ball a while, take more hits than the average quarterback is more susceptible to injury. Um, but he, his point was, and I kind of agree with him, he would be more concerned if if what he had, if you look at Wentz's history, they've all been different injuries. I mean, he's had multiple injuries, but they've all been different injuries. He thinks it's more concerning if a guy just had a, a completely shattered knee that, um, and that every year it just, keeps, it just keeps giving out on him. And every year they just keep operating on it, and he comes back with, you know, with a bigger brace and a, more tape and everything else. But he just basically has an unstable leg. Uh, and that's and that's something that there's just no way of protecting it, and that will probably recur. If but if it's a, if it's a thing where it's a wrist one year, it's your ribs the next year, um, it's a knee the next year, then it's your back the next year. Well, that's those are all different injuries, and those each one taken by itself can heal, and you can come back from that. So his basic point was, even though yeah, you don't like to see your quarterback get hurt year after year. 
uh, it's less scary in terms of the long term if they're all different kinds of injuries as opposed to having one truly debilitating injury that never quite gets well and is a risk to go out every single year. Interesting. Well, hey, Ray, as we as we talk about both of these quarterbacks, as, as we sit back and watch the games unfold now, it certainly seems with with Nick in there that the offense has slowed down, that the, the game has slowed down into the offense's hands. Again, now maybe that goes back to your original point of the offensive line has gotten better. Darren Sproles has certainly helped that as well. But it looks like the offense is in much more control over the last two weeks than it did with Carson in there, maybe trying to do too much. Um, I think there could be some of that. Uh, it looks to me like with uh, – and this goes this, this goes to play calling too. Um, I think with Wentz in there, with Wentz being the, um, the more mobile running type of quarterback who can get outside the pocket and actually does some of his best workout on the perimeter um, – uh, and the coaches have so much confidence in his ability to make plays. Um, I think sometimes they they may call a more aggressive game with him, uh, whereas with Nick, you get the feeling with Nick, it's 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 a much more um, take kind of take what the defense gives us kind of thing. Whereas with with Carson, sometimes you get the feeling that offensively they're trying to really force the issue, and they they believe they have a big time playmaker at quarterback that they can kind of take it to the defense and do what they want to do and force the play. You know, uh, whereas with Nick, it's it's more okay. We'll just see what the defense is doing, and if it's just a matter of throwing underneath, we'll throw underneath, and if it's looking for the single coverage and getting the matchup we like, we'll do that, and we'll spread the ball around, and you know, we'll take the four or five, six yard play here and there, and we'll just move the chains. Whereas with Carson, I think there's sometimes the the temptation to try and go for the big play, and um, you know that you know if you look at Carson's, if you look at the splits on his passing, his his over twenty and over thirty yard completion percentage not very good uh whereas with nick they've hit a bunch of them but a lot of them are plays that are coming that have been set up by other passes or play action or that kind of thing so it's a more i think it's a, you use the term controlled i do think there's a little bit of that i think with with nick nick's real comfortable with that he understands the system and he's willing to to play that kind of take what the defense gives me kind of approach and it's it served him really well i mean they've been They've been a real different kind of team the last couple of weeks. In one very big way is they're a team that they've started much better offensively in each of the last two games when they against good opponents, against the Rams and the Texans. You know, this is a team that struggled to do anything offensively early in games, earlier in the year. I mean, they, they had the fewest first quarter points of any team in football. And now each of the last two weeks, they've scored on their first possession. Against the Rams, they got a field goal. This week, they got a touchdown, drove it the length of the field. So, and in fact, the Rams game, they scored on six of their first eight possessions. So that's not the kind of football they had played all year. And, uh, but they're able, even though it's not really spectacular and it's not particularly flashy, you know, what Foles is doing has been very, very effective. All right, Ray, we know the situation this weekend. The Eagles need to beat the Redskins. We're confident that's going to happen. No guarantees, certainly. The other game, though, Minnesota-Chicago. I know Matt Nagy says the Bears are going to play to win. But is there a possibility in the back of their mind they're thinking, you know, we kind of rather play the Vikings again in the wild card uh, round rather than the Super Bowl champions who are hot right now, the Eagles? Is there something to that? I don't know. Um, I kind of thought it might be the other way. I kind of thought that they would rather not play uh, the, the Vikings for third time in the season. I hope um, you're right. I, I, yeah, I, think, I think sometimes that that might be a scarier proposition. You play the same team for a third time. If you had the choice, you'd rather play another team. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what, I can't read his mind. But, uh, you know, there's, uh, I, think the, I think the Bears are going to play it all out. I really do. Uh, because they still, they still have a chance that if the, Rams, if the Rams would get knocked off by the 49ers, which, hey, listen, you know, the Rams have not played great lately. And the 49ers, even though their record's not very good, have been pretty pesky. Uh, have been pretty pesky, and, and they could. And there's a real there's a real rivalry there. The 49ers Rams have always had a pretty good rivalry there. So I don't think that's by any means a walkover. So the Bears are going into this thinking, you know, there's a chance that the uh, the 49ers could upset the Rams. And if they do, and we win, guess what? We move up. We're the number two seed, and we're. You know, we got the we got the yep. first we got to buy the first week, and you know we're in a really good spot. So 
I know. I think I expect the Bears to come out and play hard. I really do. I, if you ask me to, how I think that game's going to play out, I, I still think I still think it favors the Vikings, and certainly people are betting that way. I saw the line today; it's Vikings by six and a half, which is a lot uh, to me. But I think as people are expecting it to be that kind of a game where the where the Vikings where the Vikings level of desperation is certainly going to be higher than the than the Rams because the Rams are in. I mean, the Rams know they're in. Uh, the Vikings. I mean, it would be a, it would be a disaster for the Vikings to not make the playoffs this year. I mean, it would be a disaster for the coach. It would be a, disaster, be a total disaster for Kirk Cousins. Um, for a team that went to the conference final last year to invest what they invested in Kirk Cousins, bring him in, uh, be, in many people's eyes, the favorite to win the NFC this year, and then to not make the playoffs. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's – and to lose the final week of the season at home in front of your fans, that would be – I mean that would be some, that's something the Vikings cannot afford to let happen. So, I mean I think the Vikings are going to come out here and they're absolutely going to play this one in total desperation. And for that reason, that's why they're favored, and that's why I kind of think they're still going to find a way to win that game. All right. Mm-hmm. Hope you're wrong. Hey Ray, I, I hope so too. Here. But I, that's that's just, <laughs> just I just I just kind of have that feeling. Yeah, I, I have to ask you as the whole season has played out now. Also, um, with all the injuries on the defensive side of the ball. How do, how do you assess Jim Schwartz's job here? And uh, I think they've gotten a little better here as the offense has gotten better, which certainly helped them. But what's your total assessment of how the defense has ended up playing here? Uh, well, I mean, they've been just devastated with injuries. Uh, I mean, basically the whole secondary, with the exception of Malcolm Jenkins, has just been wiped out. I mean, wiped, wiped out. <laughs> and not and not just you're not just down to the backups you're down to the backups of the backups um so the, so the, so they've basically been playing with one starter and a bunch of guys off the street i mean they've been playing with one starter and a bunch of practice squad players so you know that's i mean schwartz has had his hands tied to a large degree uh in terms of what he can do um and i think what he's what he's done is i to me, his approach, I think, I think it makes sense. I mean, people and Seth Joyner, who does the post game with me, gets very frustrated because Seth is a real, you know, his his he's got those defensive juices flowing, and he wants to go after the quarterback on every play. I mean, he just wants to tee. I mean, he's still got the Buddy Ryan mentality where he just wants to go all out after the quarterback on every play, which I understand. But I also understand that if you're looking at it from Schwartz's standpoint, and he says, man, if I if I commit everybody to go after the quarterback, and I'm playing one on one. In the, on the back end with a bunch of guys that I barely even know their names. I don't know if I could afford to do that because, you know, yeah, I might get a sack or two, but I'm also liable to give up three 60-yard plays, and that'll get us beat. So um, I think Schwartz, is, it looks to me it, it looks to me like he's decided that what we're going to do is, is we're, you know, we're, we're not going to be a defense that's going to get a ton of three and outs. We're not going to get teams off the field in three plays. We're just, we're just not built that way. You know, teams are going to move the ball on us. They're going to get big yardage on us, but we're going to play. Once you get to the 20, then we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to stop you down. We're going to shut you down. You get, when the field shortens up, we can play a different kind of defense and we're going to teams can move the ball and they're going to get their yards and they're going to get to the 20, but they're not going to score touchdowns. And that's, they have been fairly successful doing that. I mean, I think they, as of last week, they were the number three red zone defense in football, which, when you consider what he's playing with is actually pretty good. Uh, and uh, that's what they've been. They, you know, they haven't got as many takeaways as, as they, as you would like uh, this year. They got a couple big ones in the last couple of games that have really helped them, but um, they've basically played very, very good red zone defense, which is kind of what they have to do. They're, they're going to give up the yards, but they're not going to give up points. And he's been fairly successful there. And in these last five weeks now, when the team has come back, I think they've, They've begun to play some pretty good defense now because I think Bennett has played extremely well the second half of the year. I actually thought I, he had a chance to be a Pro Bowl player this year. I thought he played really good second half of the year. And some of the young guys, some of the young guys in the secondary who were complete unknowns uh, four or five weeks ago have actually come on and started to play decently. Now they, they've, kind of, they've kind of absorbed exactly what this is. They've, they've, they, they, know their, they know their assignments. They've got some responsibilities now. And they also, because they've had a little bit of success, I think they're playing with a little more confidence. So defensively, it's, it's kind of come together. And getting, you know, last week they got Avante Maddox back. And that was, you know, he's only, he's only a rookie and he's not a blue-chip high draft pick. But he's a good player. And uh, when he was out, they missed him. And now they got him back. I mean, he's helped a lot. I mean, he had 
they gave him, they trusted him to have a lot of one-on-one coverage with DeAndre Hopkins last week, and that's a tough assignment. That's a tough assignment for anybody, much less a rookie, but I thought he played really well. Hey, Ray, just one other thing. Uh, you have your new book out, The Eagles Encyclopedia, Champions Edition. I got my copy a couple of months ago. I'll have you sign it at some point when I see you again. Um, okay. Just tell everybody, you know, what's different about it. I love the colored pictures in the middle and plus all the updates. But how is this different, you know, post-Super Bowl, and how can people get it? Well, you kind of you kind of hit on the high points there, Chad. I mean, it's got uh, this one has color, which the other the other two editions did not. Uh, we have a, a, a full, I think it's an 18-page color section, which is all devoted to last season. It goes from week one right through the Super Bowl with some really beautiful color photography. So that's new. Uh, and then all the updates of everything that's happened since the last edition, which came out in 2012. So um, we've got everything that's everything that happened last year, obviously, the whole postseason run. The Super Bowl, we've got all that in there. Uh, I went back and rewrote a lot of it. I mean, I went back and even though there was a Jeff Lurie profile in the other edition, I re- totally rewrote that. Um, you know, I rewrote the Howie, Ro- Howie Roseman section. Um, I rewrote the Nick Foles profile based on what happened last year and then added all the new guys, added Wentz, added Ertz, added Jenkins, added Lane Johnson, added Brandon Graham. So I think there's probably about 10 new profiles plus many rewritten profiles um, and then updated a lot of stuff. Like there's back in the uh, in the sidelines chapter, I have a section in there. This is just an example. I have a section in there talking about what we call reaches, which I call reaches and long shots, which is uh, kind, kinds of things, the decisions the Eagles have made in terms of signing free agents and drafting players that constitute long shots. And, uh, I mean, I, I mentioned in there in previous editions, Frank Budd, the Villanova track man that the Eagles signed, and John Carlos, the track man that the Eagles have signed. But for this edition, I rewrote it and kept that in there. But I led that section now with the Jordan Mulata drafting. And I wrote the story of Jordan Mulata, the guy that never played football from Australia, that they used a seventh-round draft pick on and brought him to training camp. And So I've, I've, updated, I've updated a lot of it. I've added all the new stuff. Plus, geez, I guess there's probably like 100 new pictures in there. And most of all, it's got the happy ending. Most of all, it's got the, the Eagles. The Eagles finally standing there holding up the big trophy that everybody's been waiting for. So it's uh, it's it's um, it's it's a very new. It's it's got all the old stuff, but it's got all, all the new stuff. And I also went back and added. Um, I, I was sort of kicking myself uh, on, when I read reread the last book that I, I said, you know, I really should have had a profile of John Dornboss in there. I just. You know, I, I just think not that he's one of the hundred greatest players in Eagles history or anything, but I think his story is so unique, and what he's overcome is so admirable. Um, and he did play 14 years here. Uh, I just thought that I said, you know, there really should have been a profile on John Dornbaugh. So when the Eagles won the Super Bowl this year, and it brought about the idea of let's do this book yet again, I was able to now this for this one I was able to actually add the Dornbaugh's profile, and I kind of feel like now the book is a lot more complete. And it's great. Very good. And where, and where can people get this besides your public signing, right? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's um, – well, you can order it on Amazon, although um, Amazon ran out of books right before Christmas. That's not good timing, but they kind of did. <laughs> uh, but if you, you can still go on online to Amazon and order the book, and they're saying one- to four-week delivery. So – if you're not if you're not on a time constraint now and you're not trying to give it to somebody as a Christmas present, if you if you just want the book for yourself and you're willing to wait a couple of weeks, you can order it on Amazon and they'll ship it to you. Or you can uh, go to there are still some Barnes and Nobles in the area that have a few, but to be frank, a lot of the Barnes and Nobles are completely sold out. So you have to sort of shop around for it. I, if you're not if you're not really on a deadline here and you don't necessarily have to give it as a present to anybody and it's just for you and you're willing to wait a couple of weeks, probably Amazon is the way to go. All right. Very good, Ray. Well, we certainly appreciate you coming by. I hope you're wrong on the Vikings, but uh, go birds. I'm with you. I'd love to see, I'd love to see this season going. I, you know, I've listen, I counted this team out after the debacle in new Orleans. I really did. I, I didn't see any way this team was going to get back up, back, get off the deck and put a run together, but to their credit, they have. So uh, if they've taken it this far, I'd love to see them taken into the postseason and, then things could really get interesting. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, Thanks, well, Ray. We'll I talk to you soon. I have to, All right. Ray, take care now. Up. Hey, Ray. Yep. I, I have to fess up before you go and tell you that my partner, 
played Dandy Don Meredith turned out the lights, the party's over a couple weeks ago on our show. Hey, listen, he wasn't alone. He wasn't yeah. alone. There were a lot of us there. Yes, uh, all right, we'll see you, Ray. We appreciate it. All right, take care, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks, all right, bye-bye. All right, Bill. It's time for me to again tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn. I was there last Thursday for their ugly sweater party and had a blast seeing lots of old friends saying hello to the Irish Rovers, Christina and Tracy. A fun night for sure. You know by now the Irish Rover has daily lunch and dinner specials and happy hour deals, trivia every Wednesday night, and a DJ every Friday night. They also have a free buffet later Friday nights at 11 p.m., which is pretty darn cool. In addition, there are always 24 beers on tap, something for everyone. It's the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Find them on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Yeah, Bill, Santa's messing with the kid. Hey, you know what, Bill? I got some more music for you right here, and it's one of our favorite tunes, because we got to get it. Yeah. Well, you know, Chet, that's a great lead, because it's now almost January when you actually start paying attention to the Flyers. But I know you've been paying attention to the Sixers, as has our next guest. The host of the Brothers MC Podcast, Matt McClure. Matt, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to come on. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Hey, hey Matt, before we before we open this one up, uh, I've got a question for you. Um, you, this is a kind of a personal question. You're a junior at Penn State. Your brother yep. and podcast partner, Mark, is a freshman at Maryland. And you recently yes. had a chance to work a Penn State-Maryland game together, as I understand it, on the Maryland Radio Network. How did that happen, and how fun was it to work alongside Mark? Well, um, he was doing a game. He was scheduled to do that game. It was a women's soccer game, and he didn't have anybody to do it with. And he asked his manager if he could do it with me because I was already going to be up there his manager said, yeah, so that's how that came about. And it was a lot of fun. I think we, we had a lot of chemistry. I felt like we got off to a a little bit of a rocky start because he was running a little bit late because of traffic. So he was like sprinting across the field, trying to get everything set up. And then, you know, we had some technical difficulties, but we, it, it was a lot of fun. I thought it was, it was a really cool experience and, and I'm glad we could do it. Awesome. Let's talk a little Sixers. Uh, you know the situation, Matt. Uh, they're having a good season. They won 52 games last year. They got Jimmy Butler a few weeks ago. I know you were excited about that. But it just seems like they're just not clicking on all cylinders yet. Uh, Joel Embiid's hinting that he's not always being used right. He usually says that kind of stuff mm-hmm. after a loss, like the game against the Celtics last night. Uh, they're, I think, 2-6 and six against the other four best teams in the NFC East, so, or the NFC, NBA East. So <laughs> what is going on? Why are they you know, not quite where they want to be? I, I really think it's the lack of depth on the bench. Last year they, they got Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova, and those guys were really big pieces for the 76ers last year, hitting big shots, taking charges. Ersan was – his specialty was taking charges and now they don't have those guys. And now they're relying on Furkan Korkmaz, Mike Muscala, Wilson Chandler, who's in and out of the starting lineup. Now he's been in recently because of the Jimmy Butler trade, Uh, Landry Shamit. And those guys, they show some flashes, but they're not that consistent at all. And that's been a big problem for this 76ers team. You look at a team like, the Celtics last night, how deep their bench is. Now they didn't play that well last night, the Celtics bench, but they got guys off their bench. The Indiana Pacers have guys off their bench. I was watching the Lakers last night. They have better guys off their bench. Teams have better guys off their bench than the Sixers team. And, you know, I guess Markel Fultz not being there with the injury is hurting them a little bit. But this team doesn't have a lot of depth, and that's what's killing them. I agree. Well, 
Matt, you know, Chet mentioned Joel Embiid and his not being happy. That seems to be a pretty common theme going on now over the last couple of weeks. And uh, where, where do you see that coming from? Is it just the competitive nature? Uh, he certainly seemed to, to hit it off pretty good when they made the first, initially made the, the trade. But now things don't seem so good in uh, Sixer land. I think it's his competitive edge and him, it's just he wants the ball and he wants to be the main guy for the team. And, you know, Jimmy Butler's in there now and he's hit two game winners against Charlotte and Brooklyn. So, you know, he's taking some of the spotlight, but I don't think that's the issue at all. I think everybody, you know, I think MB likes, you know, Simmons and Butler, but down the stretch, he wants the basketball and he's not getting it. And I got to put some of that blame on coach uh, Brett Brown, who I'm really not that, you know, I like him in moments, but sometimes I, I think he he doesn't do a good job, and he struggled to get him his touches late in the second half when the game's on the line. And he looks like a totally different player in the first half, and then his numbers are a little bit more inconsistent. They drop in the second half, and maybe that's why he's going a different route, trying to get other guys involved in the offense late and down in the stretch. But they got to find a way to get Joel and beat some touches late in the game in order to be successful. Yeah, his numbers from the first half to the second half are vastly different. So I don't know if it's uh, you know conditioning or how they're using him or what, but something's got to change there. I want to ask about Ben Simmons. Uh, we complain about this maybe every other week, Ben Simmons' inability <laughs> or lack of willingness to take any jumpers. I know he hit one last night, but why is he so afraid or so hesitant to shoot a jump shot? I, that's the question I don't think anybody <laughs> knows the answer to. And – it's going to be a problem. Everybody says this guy is, you know, the second coming of LeBron James without a jump shot. But if he doesn't even take a jump shot, how do we know? How do we know? He just doesn't shoot the ball. And it's, it's frustrating because guys are giving him room. They're daring him to shoot. it. Yeah. And he just doesn't do it. And he's going to have to do that because, it will take pressure off the other guys. Embiid, he's getting doubled because part of the reason he's getting doubled is because Simmons can't shoot the ball, you know? And that is got to be a part of his game moving forward. I know it's probably not going to happen this year. If it does, great. But he's got to develop a jump shot and add that element to his game because he can get to the basket. He's a good passer. But if he doesn't have a jump shot, it, it's just he's got to get one. He's just – it's, it's frustrating because you know what he can be, and he's not doing it. Well, Matt, we're only 30, was it 35 games into the season right now, so there's still, uh, just, we're not even to the halfway point, but three games out. Um, how do you see this playing out? They're, they're, they were 16-3 and three at home, obviously, which has been their big, their big ticket, but uh, how do you see this team playing out, or do you think they're going to have to make moves like they did last year to better themselves? going into the second half of the season? Well, I think the Sixers are going to have to make a move. And I'm looking at getting a a sustained backup for Joel Embiid, a guy who can be a bruiser. He doesn't have to average, you know, 15 points a game off the bench. Somebody who can just bully somebody on the defensive end and get some rebounds, maybe have a 12-point game. Somebody to back up Joel Embiid because they don't have a backup. They're relying on Mike Muscala to do it. And I think they're going to be right in the mix in the second half of the season. And I think the key for them is if you finish ahead of Boston in the standings and if you would play them in, a say, a second-round series in the playoffs, having those two games at home to start the series could be a big difference for them because I think they showed last night that they can compete in Boston. And, they, you know, if Brett Brown maybe calls a timeout, at the end of the game, they might and give it and they give it to Jimmy Butler. We could be sitting here saying uh, an amazing win, but obviously that didn't happen. But I think this team is going to be right in the mix in the second half. They got to add a piece that can maybe help them off the bench. I'm, my personal preference would be a big guy, but I think they're going to be right in the mix in the second half of the season. Yeah, you mentioned some of the guys coming off the bench. Mike Muscala, who's been kind of so-so this year, averaging eight points a game. Landry Shamit, not afraid to shoot. He's definitely got some talent. He's been, for the most part, a pleasant surprise. I don't think anybody expected him to play this much. He's averaging eight points a game. Some nights he lights mm-hmm. it up. Other nights he doesn't hit. Uh, a guy who's disappointing me of late, though, is J.J. Redick. 
Last year he shot 42% from three-point range. This year he's down to 36%. I don't know if he's just getting old or what, but I think J.J.'s been a bit of a disappointment of late. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I can see that. He's shooting not at his high percentage. Uh, he is averaging 18 points yeah. a game. You know, his assists and rebounds are, you know, he's not going to get a lot of those. But he's there to shoot, and only shooting 36% from three isn't good enough, in my opinion. He's got to get that up. I think he will as the season goes along. He, listen, he's a big key to the Sixers team. He's there for one reason, really, to come off screens and shoot. And if he's not doing that in an effective rate like he was last year, this team's going to have some problems. But I think he will get better as the season season goes along. And, you know, maybe bringing in another guy uh, could help, you know, after the all-star break. Uh, coming up here for the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the second half of the season, the word came out yesterday that that Markel Fultz is expected to return to the team sometime later in the season. Uh, does that just create more chaos, or can this guy actually come in and help this team out? No, I, I'm not a big fan of Markel Fultz at all, but he, he hopefully – he can help out this team in any way he can because they, I think the Sixers coming into this season were, you know, hoping he could be a starter or somebody that can come off the bench. And he hasn't done that at all. Who knows what's wrong with his shoulder? You know, obviously they, they came out with a diagnosis. I don't really even know what that means. It's some nerve damage there with his shoulder, but this guy was the number one overall pick. And I, it's just so frustrating. He's not on the court. You see somebody like Jason Tatum seeing what he's doing in Boston, but hopefully this guy can come off the bench and just hopefully ignite something, maybe some points here and there, some rebounds, just anything, because right now he's just useless at this point, and if they want to trade him, no one wants him. So they're not going to get anything in return for him. So he's going to have to – play a role here in the second half of the season. That's if he's still in a sixer uniform, but I just think he will be because no one wants this guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got to ask about Jimmy Butler too. A uh, great addition, obviously averaging 18.8 a game, hit a couple of game winning shots already. Good defender. He seems like he fits in, although, you know, some of the stuff from Joel Embiid makes you wonder if there's any kind of issue. I don't know, but Butler, I'm hoping will be back next year. Do you think they will be able to resign him? I think so. I think he wants to play in Philly. I think he likes Joel Embiid. He likes Ben Simmons. He likes um, their competitive edge. Listen, these guys don't like to lose, and I think that was something that he had a problem with in Minnesota, and this team has the cat room, I, I suspect. So I hope he stays because he is he's won us pretty much two games this season, uh, two buzzer beaters, and if they give him the ball yesterday, it could be three. So I hope this guy stays because we need him to stay, and hopefully we can build around him and Embiid and Simmons instead of Embiid and Simmons. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, Matt, before we finish up, uh, as I mentioned earlier, 35 games into the season, uh, it's a crystal ball on who they're going to pick up. But where do you see this team ending up, uh, you know, in your crystal ball as we go through the second half of the year? I think they're either going to be a three seed or maybe a four seed. I want them to get the second seed. I just don't think it's going to happen. But I think they can finish at a three seed ahead of, you know, the Celtics, the Pacers. I think that's something they need to look forward to and and hope that happens. Because, like I said earlier, if they're playing a road playoff series, the first two games against an Indiana Pacers team, against the Boston Celtics team. It's going to be very tough for them. So they got to get home court advantage, at least against one of those teams in the playoffs. I think they're going to be sitting right at the three seed like they were last year. They're going to win over 50 games. It's just going to be a matter of do they finish ahead of some of these top teams in the East. And if not, it could be the same story as last year. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll talk to you some more about it here in the second half of the season. We appreciate you taking the time out of your Christmas break to join us, and uh, thanks for doing it. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, you know, for everybody who's listening at uh, bro underscore MC podcast. 
Uh, we're trying to get more content out. Uh, we've been busy, obviously, with school and also over break. We'll probably have an episode coming out this week. Um, so, you know, thanks for having me on again. Happy Tom. New Year, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Yep, take hey, care. Yeah, Thank you. Sure. Take care. All right. Hey, Ken, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. You know it, Bill. It is true. One of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Click on the Allstate banner on our Philly Press Box Radio website or just call Dave directly at 610-430-0700. That is Dave Lavoie at Allstate Insurance in Westchester, 610-430-0700. There you go. So, Chet, it's Fred. I'm going to be a daddy again. You go, die. That's right. Congrats to Fred and Christy. And, Fred, you go. Welcome back to the show. Woo! Daddy, <laughs> too. Or baby, <laughs> too. Yes, indeed. Congrats, uh, Fred. A lot going on in that Fred, you go house. Good, good stuff. Good to be young. Uh, <laughs> all right. Hey, hey Fred, tell us, um, tell us how did you do in your – Fantasy football championship games this weekend. So I went one and three in my championship games. It was the, the big money ones, the one I won. So that's good. And I lost um, another one by two points, man. It was, it was, it was killer. The, the person had Robbie Anderson as a flat. All of a sudden scored 30-some points. But I still only lost by two. Or ah, it was close. But one and three or one and two. Well, you got one the money. Two. Yep. There you go. All right. Well, hey, uh, Chet, you were already bra- – Fred, Chet was already bragging early on uh, that he pretty much has this prediction thing wrapped up. So let's hear what the standings are and let's uh, let's get to this last week and let him brag. Yeah, well, we all had a very good weekend this past weekend for a change. In fact, I was a perfect 4-0, speaking of bragging. Yeah, you heard that right, 4-0. You guys took a gamble on the Bucks beating the Cowboys. Wishful thinking, gentlemen, but it didn't happen, so you were both 3-1. and one. So the standings now have me pretty much sewing up first place at 32-28. and 28. You got it, four games over 500. You guys are both now three games back at 29-31. and 31. So I think a goal for you guys should be just to get back to 500 here in the final week. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, funny, hey, funny, hey, funny. Because you ain't catching me. I see. Here's what I see. Come next week, Chet is going to take a, a selfie of himself with an invisible trophy. <laughs> <laughs> this year he'll have like a printout of the standings and a whole Excel sheet. I and a, it'll I be all screened up. He'll forget about the uh, last two. <laughs> yeah, I'll forget all about right. <laughs> Well, let's get to this last week. We've got, uh, we've got four games to pick. Chet is very capable of losing all four of them unless he takes the Eagles. So let's see. we got the Cowboys beat the Giants in a meaningless game. The Bears visit Minnesota in a game for Eagles fans. The Bears must win. And, of course, the Eagles visit the Redskins in a game the Birds must win to have a chance to make the playoffs. And we've tossed in an important AFC game between the Browns and the Ravens as well. So those are our four games. Fred, let's get it started. Dallas is in New York to face the Giants. The G-Men are minus six and a half in that game. Hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess Dallas is sitting their starters are not going to play them for the most part. I remember they did yeah. that a few years ago in Philly when the Eagles played. So I'm going to say the Giants win this game. They do have weapons, and they're not going against the full the full Cowboy defense. So um, I'll, I'll take the Giants here. Yeah, I got the Giants as well because the Cowboys can't move up or down in the standings, so they're locked in, and they're not going to risk anybody getting hurt. Giants win this one. Well, the Giants stink. I think we've established that. And and you can't sit everybody. So there's no reason other than Saquon Barkley to think that the Giants can beat Dallas. I'm going to say Dallas wins this game regardless. Oh, all right. Wow. Okay, Bears are, Bears are at Minnesota, a lot on the line for both teams. Vikings minus five, a little surprise to me there. 
Yeah, well, when the Bears coach comes out and says this, if he sees that the Rams are up significantly, he's going to pull the starters mid-game. That That's not good. But um, I'm going to say that that doesn't happen. I think the 49ers keep it close uh, against the Rams. Therefore, the Bears will have the full the full team going. I think the Bears will, will win this one. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Chicago is going to play hard. Although, as I was talking with Ray, I don't know if they really want to play the Vikings again that – I don't know. I don't know if they'd want to play the Vikings for a third time or play the Eagles, but, you know, the Eagles are kind of hot here. So, I don't know. They they can kind of control things if they know that uh, the Rams are going to stay locked in at number two. So, we'll see, but I'm picking the Bears because I want to see the Bears win so the Eagles have a shot. Well, you know, I'm just I'm just not impressed with the Vikings. I wasn't impressed with them last year. I'm not impressed with them this year. I don't know what it is that I don't like about them. I just don't see them as being big game a big game team. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm going to take the Bears. I think the Bears are better than them, so I'm going with them. Well, okay. I just clinched so first our... place. I just clinched first place, therefore. Yeah, well, that's because you're just picking <laughs> who Fred picked, so you can, you know, I not have my have picks written down. I'll tell you right now, picking the Ravens and the Eagles. There, change your picks. Go. Uh, <laughs> so here we go. Here, Fred, we're tossing in our interesting AFC game. Cleveland at Baltimore Yes. Cleveland in a game that matters. Ravens minus six. Wait, I thought Cleveland Cleveland's not eliminated. Well, well it matters for the Ravens. It matters it matters for other teams. Matters for gotcha, the Ravens gotcha, and other gotcha. teams. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Um, well, on that and that note, um, Chet, let's take uh, Baker Mayfield and the Browns. All right, to pull the upset in Baltimore. Yeah, I am absolutely taking Baker Mayfield and the Browns to win this game. I think uh, this is getting ready to be a good football team coming on soon, and uh, I'm going with Mayfield and the Browns to win that game, Mr. Chesco. Yeah, I think the Ravens choked in the final game. Was it last year or the year before, a game that they should have won but didn't? But I'm sticking with the home team. I'm going to see the Ravens get it done. I could be wrong, and, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing the Browns win, but I'm taking the Ravens. All right. Eagles at the Redskins. Eagles minus six and a half. I think this one's kind of a given. What do you say? Yeah, the, the Eagles, I think, definitely win this game. The only the only way – I mean, the Redskins don't have anyone. They just cut that swear winger guy. Um, the only way the Eagles lose is if the offense just decides to go back to what it was and that, that Josh Johnson runs all over him. But he's the only offensive threat they have, him running out of the pocket. So, Eagles – and, of course, I'm picking the Eagles. The only thing stopping this team right now is a game that's out of their control out in Minnesota. The Birds will take care of business on their end, I'm pretty sure. Let's say Eagles 31, Redskins 17. And I am taking the Eagles just because the Redskins are on one leg and have been for a long time. Well, since they played the Eagles the last time and lost half their team, uh, they did manage to win one game since then, but the Eagles are certainly a better team. I'm going Eagles 27-17. All right, now let's give right. Fred 30, 30 seconds to Fred to uh, vent about Brett Brown. Go ahead, Fred. That's right. Oh, my gosh. At some point you get the point to figure at him. How you get the – how do you have two timeouts with 19 seconds left? Don't call timeout and draw a play up for Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, or Joel Embiid is beyond me. It's consistent with the way he's been coaching – um, I'm not saying fire Brett Brown, but if he doesn't improve on that or be able to draw one up, it's just what's going on here. And then let's go into overtime. Anytime the opposing team puts pressure on our offense, say double teams, Joel Embiid, the other four don't know what to do. It's, it's like they've never seen it before. The exact reason we lost to the Celtics on Christmas is exactly why we lost in that playoff series, and it's coaching. And that, and that, he can't adjust. He does not adjust. He's a he's a I'm good starting. good to good to average coach. He 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 he's not losing it for them, but he's not a coach that's going to win it for them either. I'm starting to agree with you, Fred. We'll talk more about this as the season goes on. All right, guys. All right. Have a good one. All right, Fred. Uh, congratulations again, and uh, tell Christy congratulations from us as well. I'll let her know. Have a good one. Go hey, birds. Fred. Yep. All right. Well, hey, Chad, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. 
They can continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only thirty, there are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page, like it, or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Rise Room. That's right, PPCC 118 Rise Room on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Hey, Chad, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable next week? Next week, which will be 2019, by the way. Uh, Bill, we have two Ooh. terrific two terrific guests. We'll talk about the year just ended and the year that's ahead on the Philly sports scene with one of our favorite guys from the Inquirer and Philly.com. He does a great column pretty much every weekend, and we've done this with him, I think, the last three years, right around the end of the year, start of the new year. Frank Fitzpatrick joins us. In addition, we will give you some exercise and fitness tips from another of Philly.com's finest, and I think we both could use some of that, uh, Bill. Uh, She is also a personal (laughs) trainer, Ashley Blake Greenblatt, on the show. Always good. Chatter before, and she's always good. Looking forward to that. All right, Mr. Chesco, parting shot for you tonight. Yeah, Bill, another year is winding down, and sadly, we lost a lot of legends over the course of 2018. Celebrities, including Burt Reynolds, Aretha Franklin, and Penny Marshall just last week. National sports greats like Stan Makita, Dwight Clark, Bruno Sammartino, JoJo White, Rusty Staub, Willie McCovey, and broadcasting great Keith Jackson. And there were a lot of well-known Philadelphia athletes who left us this year, too. Former Phil Oscar Gamble, Flyers goalie Ray Emery, LaSalle basketball great Rasul Butler, who left us way too young, plus 76ers all-time scoring leader and Hall of Famer Hal Greer, one of my favorites from back in the day. And as we noted while, uh, well, no, we didn't know. We were going to talk about this with Ray, and I never got to it. Three very popular and very talented Philadelphia Eagles, Tim Rosovich, Wes Hopkins, and the great Tommy McDonald all left this earth this year. They're all no longer with us, but we will also always rather have the great memories that they made while they were on the field. So rest in peace to all of those greats who we lost this year. All right, and my list of crap we missed is very short tonight, and I've got one good and one bad jet, so the bad we didn't mention with Ray, Big V. Jadavion Clowney took him to school on Sunday, and that is not a good sign for this Eagles team. Moving forward, if Big V is going to be their guy. The good Zach Ertz, the all-time NFL tight end reception leader, uh, passing Jason Witten. And as a follow-up to that, Jet Ertz is just one catch. He's tied. He's just one catch away from being the all-time NFC East receiving single-season leader. So he's just one catch on Sunday to break that record as well. So just one quick good and one quick bad when it comes to the Eagles that we missed with Ray. And hey, we got a couple of bowl games coming up, including Penn State on New Year's Day, correct? We do. Uh, what's your thoughts on Penn State, Kentucky uh, in Orlando? You like that? Uh, Penn State I have in that no game? idea. I, I, I mean, I got to think Penn State would be favored. I haven't looked at the line, but I'm certainly rooting for Penn State. But I have no idea how good Kentucky is. <laughs> All right. Are you are you up for uh, making any predictions on the Final Four since we have twenty seconds? <laughs> no. Clemson, Notre I'm, Dame, I'm staying Oklahoma, out of the Alabama. Team. You're the college football guy. I will say Alabama is going to win it all, and I hope Notre Dame doesn't win because I don't like Notre Dame. Sorry, Denny. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you what. I think uh, both of the point spreads in that game are high. They're both around 14, 13, 14, a little higher than uh, you might like for the final four games with Clemson and Alabama being the favorite and Alabama favored to win the national championship. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think it's going to go quite as smooth as the experts think it's going to. So we will find out. Happy New Year to everybody. And absolutely happy New Year. We've reached the top of our hour. And let's thank our special guests, Ray Dittinger, Matt McClure, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, for another great year, by the way, along with Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com. PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Avoy of Allstate Insurance of Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, January the 2nd at 7 p.m. through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, or blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes and TuneIn. 
Happy New Year. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go Birds. Defense, defense, defense.